the great I am, a crown of thorns upon his head, the Father's heart displayed for us. Oh God, we thank you for the cross. Lifted up on Calvary's hill, we cursed your name, and even still, you bore our shame and paid the cost. Oh God, we thank you for the cross. Behold the land, the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We see. to your holy name Jesus you will reign forevermore the victory is yours all for love this sacrifice for every sin our Savior died the Lord of life can't be contained. Our God has risen from the grave. Oh, our God has risen from the grave. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption written on His hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise, endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The is done we'll see your face bright as the sun we'll bow before the king of kings oh god forever we will sing behold the land the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption written on your hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise. 
Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to that day. When the age of death is no longer, can you imagine not long, no longer having to worry about death, no longer having to worry about the trials and the challenges of this world? I'm looking forward to it, and it's only because of what God has done for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. Praise be to God for what He's done for us. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Brother Bill, could you please turn the fan off on that? If you would, please, sir. Thank you. James chapter 1. We'll get there in just a moment, but I want to just um, very quickly review a little bit of what we looked at last week. We're continuing on today a, a short series we're looking at about deception, about being deceived. Oftentimes we think that, well, I see that person being deceived, I see them being deceived, and truth is, any one of us could be deceived. I, I look in the Bible and I see many examples of this. I see a man after God's own heart that was deceived, thinking it couldn't happen to him, being at the wrong place at the wrong time, having the wrong thoughts, ended up being deceived, ended up having his servants go and get a lady that was married to another man to come up to his bedchambers, yes, you could be deceived. Ended up committing murder as a result of it. He repented, though, praise the Lord for that. But I'll tell you what, I, wished, I bet he wished he never had given in to that deception in his life. And it can happen to people. It can happen. You look many different heroes of the faith. We see that they're, that, listen, every single one of us, we can be deceived. We need to be very careful, and as time comes short, as far as I'm talking about before the Lord comes to rapture the church, there's, there's going to be a great deception that is going to be growing. There's going to be the, the groundwork is going to be laid for the son of perdition that's going to come, the Antichrist is going to come, and there's going to be a great deception, and people that are lost, they're going to follow right in line, and they're going to follow right down the Antichrist, and they're going to be involved in false worship. All kinds of things are going to happen. But before we get to that place, listen, I believe that, that, that there's, the Bible also talks about there being a deception and apostasy that's going to take place. And many of God's people that are born-again believers are going to fall for the lies that are being propagated in the world today. I'm thankful that, praise be to God, we cannot follow that great deception of following the, the, uh, getting the mark of the beast or following the false prophet or following the Antichrist because you know why? Because I won't be here because the rapture will happen prior to that. I want to clear that up, make sure there's no misunderstanding about that. Last week we talked about a deception that's going to have to happen before the son of perdition comes. And yes, there's going to be people, I truly believe, sitting in churches just like this across the country that are being deceived that will be here when the Antichrist does come. I believe that with all of my heart. The Bible talks about if Jesus Christ, he had 12 disciples, and one of them was Judas Iscariot, which, by the way, one of only two people in the Bible that was called the son of perdition was the Antichrist and Judas Iscariot. If one of the 12 was... Judas Iscariot denied Christ, sold him for the price of a slave. You can mark it down in a church this size. There are people that are being deceived all across the country. And then there are those that are born-again believers. They're, they're saved. They're on the way to heaven. There's no doubt about that. But they've allowed themselves to get to a place of being deceived by a lot of the things that are happening in the world today, a lot of world understanding of things. And, and so this message, these messages we're looking at is challenging us to not fall prey to being deceived. 
Obviously, if you've never trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, don't be deceived. Listen, uh, you need to prepare to meet your God. Today could be that day. Don't be deceived in feeling like you have tomorrow. The Bible says, boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. You're here today, you say, I know I'm a child of God. Are you being deceived? Last week we talked about different ways of being deceived. In in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18 and 19, was our key verses last week. It says there, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Last week we looked at how the fact that, first of all, that we can deceive ourselves. Deceiving our own self. We can say everything's okay and yet it's not. We can say, I'm not, I, can, uh, I love what Pastor Parker was preaching at 10 o'clock talking about how the, you know, choosing to do something, thinking that you're going to get away with it, thinking that it's not going to burn you, thinking that doing contrary to the Word of God is not going to hurt you, doing that sin is not going to hurt you. But listen, it will affect you. Many people are being deceived that way. They're being deceived when it comes to drinking. They're being deceived when it comes to the, the type of lifestyles that they're living. They're being deceived in so many different ways today. A lot of deceiving going on when it comes to even same-sex marriage and homosexuality. A lot of deceiving going on. A lot of Christians today, they think that it's hate speech to say what the Word of God says. That God created man and woman. Male and female created He them. There's, There's distinct difference between man and woman. And yes, there are only two sexes, male and female. That's what God created. Some people would hear me say that and say, that's hate speech. That's not hate speech. That's the, people are following deceitful lies from this world and the philosophy. And the devil's trying to break down people, trying to get people to, to, to break down the family unit, trying to break down society. And he's doing a very good job of it. There are so many people being deceived today. And I want to tell you this. I don't want to be one of them. I don't want people in this church to be one of them. I don't want you to be one of them. Don't be deceived. We can deceive ourselves. Oftentimes we get deceived by the wisdom that we have of the world. In verse number 19 it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. It seems like the more people get educated, the less they believe in God. They are so smart, worldly speaking, that they they have a lack of faith. They might have gotten saved at one point in time in their life. They come to the place, though, they start doubting God. By the way, doubting God doesn't mean you lost your salvation. Well, there are a lot of people that doubt God and never get saved because they never have faith, saving faith to believe God and His Word. I've known Christians, though, that fell away from the faith. You know, in the Bible, there was doubting Thomas. There's people that do doubt. Having doubts does not mean that you're not saved. But I'll tell you what, if you have a doubt of whether or not you're saved or not, you ought to make sure today. Don't be deceived. The more you have this head knowledge and the wisdom of the world, you've got to be really careful now. Listen, Mom and Dad, be very careful in the education that your children are receiving so important. There's so much deceit being taught today as truth when it's not. The Word of God is absolute truth. And so there's the being deceived of our own self. There's the wisdom of the world that can deceive us. And, and so today I want to continue on and I want us to look at the subject of, and it's very simple, and the simple title of the message today is Hear, Not Doer. Hear, not doer. I want you to look there, if you would, um, and, and uh, look, if you would, at James chapter 1. Let's all stand, if you would. Look at verse number 22. James chapter 1, <clears throat> verse number 22. If you love the Word of God, say amen today. Amen. amen. 
Let's go ahead and read there. Look at verse number 22, if you would. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving, what does it say? Your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. He's talking about a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, he being, um, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the songs we've been able to sing today of praise unto you, of thanks for your love. Uh, Lord, of saying with our mouths that we love you. Lord, we're thankful that you do love us, and we love you because you first loved us. And Lord, I pray that today that we would not be deceived by the devil, not be deceived by ourselves, not be deceived by the world. Lord, that you would challenge our hearts today, and Lord, that we would listen as you speak to us. Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would, would challenge our hearts. Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would have complete control of the service. Lord, I pray that you would allow for us to hear from you and not listen to the things of this world, but Lord, that we would focus and hear from you alone, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You ever try to figure out how to fix something by watching a YouTube video? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand. You watch a YouTube video because you weren't sure how to do it. I do that all the time. A few years ago, I was involved in building our house. I didn't build everything, but I did a lot of things. And I learned a lot by watching videos on YouTube. And I'm, I was very happy for it. it. Helped me out a lot. But let me just, uh, for kind of introduction to the, the, the theme we're looking at today, I want you to just picture this with me now for a moment. I want to fix my car because my brakes are going... <laughs> by the way, if your brakes go... <laughs> that means you need to fix your brakes. Don't keep driving that way. Right, Brother Eric? Where's Brother Eric at today? There he is back there. He knows what that sound's all about. I brought my car to him when my car was doing that sometime before. Anyway, if the car is making a noise like that when you hit the brakes, that means you probably should be changing something. And so let's just pretend I want to save some money and I, I don't want to have to pay anybody else to do it, so I'm going to do it myself, so I watch a video, which I have changed my brakes before, but let's just pretend it's a new car. I don't know how to change it, so I watch the video. I get my phone out. I watch the YouTube video. This guy here, that guy doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, so I watch a different video. I can't even tell what that guy said, so let me watch a different video. You finally get a video that it really makes sense to you, and, and you start to take some notes, maybe. You write some things down, and you, you've determined, well, I know how to do this now. I've watched the video. I've written some notes down. I'm going to go out and work on my car. So I get out there. I put a jack under the car. I put it up, pull the wheels off, and then I proceed to do exactly whatever I want to do. Not following the video. Not listening to the guy that changed it and showed how it was done, even if he was a certified mechanic showing me, and not paying attention to the notes that I wrote. I just, just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. You know why? Because I like to do whatever I want to do. It's my life. <laughs> I just changed it however I want. What's this piece? I don't know. Throw it away. Get it all done. Put the tires on. Oh, only four lug nuts. I had five before. Oh, well, whatever. How many of y'all want to go for a test ride with me? Anybody here? <laughs> You're smart people. I wouldn't want to test drive that either. I'll tell you what, you would be very smart in doing that, but you know, I want you to think about something with me. Isn't that what happens sometimes when we come to church on Sunday? Now think about this with me. 
You're coming to church. Why'd you come to church? Well, hopefully you came to church to sing praises unto the Lord. That's what we did a little bit ago. But I also hope that you came to church to edify somebody, build somebody else up, encourage somebody just by being here. And by the way, you being here and being awake right now and smiling, it's encouraging to me, I will tell you. And many of you are. And then you sit through a sermon and you don't fall asleep. Praise the Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? Don't fall asleep. Amen. And you get all through here in that sermon. You might even take notes while the preacher is preaching. You might even set an amen. You might have thought it. You might not have said it even. But you might have said it even. You might have walked out the door and shook the hand of the preacher and said that was a good message. And then you walk out the door and you don't do anything you just heard. You go back to living the way you were. You go back to serving as far as God, doing whatever you want to do. Living however you want to live. Huh. That's exactly what often happens. You know, it's as though we're saying to God, we're telling that, you know what, God? I think I could do it on my own. I don't need to follow your directions. Uh, God, I, I don't need to do what you're telling me to do. I, I can do it myself. You know what that is? That's being deceived. Because you can't do it yourself. How many of y'all have figured out in life right now that doing it your way is not the best way? Can I have a, anybody raise your hand to that? Man, there's so truth to that. We figure that out. Yes, we, we raise our hand and we say, how many of y'all would agree with me that this right here is the Word of God and it's applicable and we ought to obey what God's Word says? Would you say amen to that? Then why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we listening? Why aren't we obeying what God says? Now, I know you're going to jump up and say, all of a sudden, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. We all sin, we all fall short. Yeah, I understand that. But are you perpetually living that in your life that I'm going to do whatever I want to do? As Pastor Parker spoke in Romans chapter 6 this morning, in verse number 1, it says, So we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And so if we're, we're saying, God, yeah, I believe this is your word. God, I believe this is truth. God, I, I want to follow your word. I know it's true. You come and you hear a gospel message or you hear the preaching of the word of God. You say amen to that. And then you walk out the door and you don't apply it to your life. Something is wrong. You're deceiving yourself. You ever heard of the definition of what insanity is? It's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. How's it working for you? In your life, when you don't do it God's way, how is it working for you? And I'm not trying today, honestly, all of us struggle with this. You get into the Word of God. If, in fact, you do study the Word of God, if, in fact, you do read the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, do you apply it to your life? Or do you deceive yourself and you get up and you walk away and it makes no change in your life? There's something wrong. Something is missing. James here, he says in verse number 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so the first thing I want to challenge you with this morning is this, that the word of God calls us to action. Not just to be a hearer. Now it's good if you stay awake during the message and you do hear it, right? It's a good thing. But you're supposed to do something with what you hear. There's supposed to be action that happens as a result of hearing from God. If you hear from God, there will be action that comes as a result of it. 
we believe God's word is true, then why aren't we doing it? You know, we see what Jesus Christ has done. We see how God has done action. There's several things when we talk about action that we ought to apply to our life. Let me just start with this one. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, we see a great verse here. It talks about what Jesus Christ did for the church specifically. And application, we see husbands love your wives. But there we see, though, that the application that he uses is concerning himself and the church. He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, what's the church? Is it these four walls? No, this would be, you could call this a church house. It houses what the church is. That's us. That's this body of believers. Do you realize that Jesus Christ loves the church? Jesus Christ loves Lighthouse Baptist Church. Do you realize that? Do you love Lighthouse Baptist Church? Do you love the church that God has put you in? Do you love church? Do you love the things that God loves? He gave himself for it, the Bible says. You know, there's another verse that many of us know, and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. And so much the more. Yeah, the day is approaching. What day? The return of the Lord's coming. We need church, folks. We need to love our church. When I say church, I'm not talking about these four walls. Now, this is a beautiful building and everything, but when we love this church, we ought to be loving each other. We ought to be loving being in church. We ought to be loving serving God together. And I can say this. Now, listen. If we love Jesus, we will love the things that Jesus loves. If you love the Lord, you will love your church. We ought to be in love with our church. How do you demonstrate love to a church? Help me out this morning. It's kind of a, you know, a lot of folks today are sick, kind of a smaller crowd today. Let's just be open. Let's talk about it. How do we demonstrate love to our church? Yeah. Yeah, by being there. By being there. I mean, you know, it's like saying to your wife, I love you, but you haven't seen her in six months. There's something wrong with that, right? Okay, by showing up. Praise the Lord. You guys are here today. By being in church. Pray for those that are sick today. So this is not an attack on a lot of people that are sick today. It's not at all. This is not an attack anyway. It's just a matter. I'm sharing a principle with you that if we're going to be something more than here, then we're going to have something of action. And the action I'm talking about is love. The greatest demonstration of God's love for us was his action. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated that. And then the Bible says that he died and shed his blood for the church. He loves the church. What's another way we can demonstrate our love to the church? By being in church, by being there. What else? What do you think? It's practical things. How do we love our church? Yeah, Janelle. Yeah, yeah. Acts of service, volunteering. Can somebody turn that fan off back there? That'd be great. Just turn the system right off. Hit the fan, it's on, it's on on right now. And that way people can hear, because I want them to be able to hear. So acts of service in the church. Brother Bill, thank you for loving our church by taking that fan offline right now. I appreciate that. If it's not doing it, it's because something's wrong with it. But by doing acts of service, okay, by, by doing acts of service, it could be maybe um, those that served as ushers this morning, those that are working in the nursery. Thank you, sir. Um, those that are serving as far as security right now, those that are up here singing. I mean, there's so many different ways. Helping with uh, the renovation. There's been a lot of hard work, man. I praise the Lord, man. There's been, I bragged on our church with people that I know. I said, man, we've got such a hardworking church. People that show up, we've gotten so much done. It's been wonderful to see. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, so acts of service. And I could go on with that. I'm not trying to limit anyone. Or if I didn't say your act, it's not because I don't appreciate it. Playing the piano, singing, 
All kinds of different acts. What else? How do we show our love? Yeah, Sally. Yeah, by edifying, by building each other up, encouraging each other. When you came to church today, did, did anybody build you up? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Did anybody build you up? Did somebody encourage you? Did somebody welcome you with a smile? Did somebody say, I'm glad you're here? Did somebody say, I'm, I was praying for you? We missed you? I mean, we're, uh, encouraging each other. How about, maybe I should ask it this way. Did you encourage somebody today? Did you edify somebody today? Yeah, so that's another way. What's another way? How do we, how do we love our church? Demonstrate it. Yeah. Yeah, by giving financially of our time, talent, and treasure, a part of us, giving toward the church that we love. Good. Absolutely. And so, I mean, we could go on about that, but the, the, the challenge is this. Do you love the church? And it's an action thing. It's being obedient to what Christ has commanded us to do. We believe the Word of God is true. We see that Christ loves the church. And if we love Jesus, we're going to love what Jesus loves. How about this one? If you're a person of action, if you're more than just a hearer, you're going to love the church like Christ loved the church. And also, you're going to be concerned about people that are lost and on their way to hell. You are going to desire that no one perish, but that all come to repentance, just like Jesus Christ did. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that, should, that all should come to repentance. That's what His desire is. So let me ask you, what actions are you taking that none should perish? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now. But I'm challenging you, this past week, what actions did you take that none would perish? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Yes, God loves the world. He gave. He act, there was action in that. We love God. We say we do love Him. We believe His Word is true. We believe there's a heaven. You all agree with that, right? There's a heaven. Amen? There's also a hell, right? You're either going to one or the other. You're either born again Christian on your way to heaven because you've accepted by faith what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary's cross and you believe that there is no other way to heaven. You believe that the word of God is true and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh from the Father but by me. You all agree with that today. Would you say amen? amen. So how did you share that truth this week? Who did you witness to? Who did you share the gospel with? Now, you might be here today and, you know, you say, I'm a bit shy. I'm afraid. I, I, I'm uncomfortable sharing that with other people. Now, I'm going to ask you right now, to be honest, anybody here feel that way? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand. You feel that way. I've got my hand raised. You say, but you're the preacher. I still feel that way. I still feel that way. Why? Because I have an old sinful nature. It's called Pride. Because I'm more worried about what somebody thinks than I do about what God thinks. And I struggle with that. It's a challenge. What are they going to think if I say something to them? They're going to think I'm crazy. There's a lot of people that already think I'm crazy. I don't want more people to think I'm crazy. <laughs> now I'm talking to myself. I am crazy. <laughs> Amen, right? I'm being honest. Listen, we're being real today. But you know what? Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to die for us, and I'm glad He did. I'm glad for His mercy and His love. And you know what? I truly believe with all of my heart, unless a person believes and trusts in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they're not going to heaven. That means that people are going to heaven or hell. It's an option of one or two. And the thing is, they need to hear the gospel. 
So how are they going to hear the gospel? Take your Bible. Look with me if you would. Go if you would over to Romans chapter 10. It's not going to be on the screen. I want you to look here. Look at verse number 13. Let's go to verse 12. I like that one. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. In other words, it doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what walk of life they are. God wants to save them. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now you say, well, that's talking about you, preacher. Uh, Part of it is, but it's talking about every single one of us sharing the gospel. How are they going to believe in what they haven't heard? How are they going to, to know Christ without being introduced to him? And who are you introducing to Christ? I've heard stories about people. I've heard people say, you know what? I met this, this, this basketball player. I, I, man, you wouldn't believe. You know what? I met, I met Rodman before he was a superstar. Can you believe that? Some of you are like, yeah, I don't care. I met him back years ago when I was a teenager. He came in. I was working at Dunham's when I was a teenager. And he came in and did a signing. And there he was. He was so innocent looking at the time. He wasn't wearing a dress either. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Rodman, he, he got to that place. Dennis Rodman, the worm, played for the Pistons and the bad boys, you know, all those things. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, back in the good old days. But Rodman came in. You know what? After I saw him, I was telling my friends. I was telling people, yeah, I saw Rodman. I saw, you know, he had just signed with the Pistons. He was a big name. What a big deal it was. Another big day in my life. I remember back when I was, I think I was in eighth grade, and President Ronald Reagan came and landed his big old airplane, big old helicopter, not airplane, helicopter in our back soccer field at my school. And I was able to sit there and watch. They, they put down all these rocks so he could drive his big old limousine that's real heavy. They had to make a new driveway for it and everything. Us kids were out there watching these marine helicopters land and the president of the United States gets in. I'm sitting there. I remember walking out on the way out there. They have these big old boulders for this rock and I tripped and fell. Split my arm right here. I still have a scar. I'll show it to you later. That's when I saw Ronald Reagan. I got a big scar right there to remember it. I remember that day. And I don't, I, it's exciting telling people. I remember when I saw the president of the United States. He landed in our soccer field at school. You wouldn't believe it. You remember the day you got saved? When you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? When you realized that he died for you? He paid your sin debt? And you came to know him? A personal relationship? You remember that when you look back to that time when you're able to, to actually call on him? And we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He spoke to your heart. He saved you. You were on your way to hell and he saved you. Who are you telling about that? Who are you sharing? You say, well, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid. Listen, I challenge you to get past that, but here's the thing. Even if you're afraid to say something, you can give him a gospel track. Carry a gospel track with you. 
pass out a gospel tract. Some of you have no problem talking to people. That's wonderful. And yes, we ought to let the Holy Spirit of God give us the strength to talk. But I'm just saying, if you can't in that moment, at least give them a gospel tract. Share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about this one? You have a list? I would encourage you, and this is something I'm challenging myself today as well. I would encourage you to get yourself a little, maybe you use your phone, notepad, maybe use a little notepad, but ask God to lay people on your heart. Look at people in your life and start making a prayer list. Start writing that name down. It might just start with one name. It might be, you you know, could you come up with five names of people in your life perhaps that don't know Christ as their Savior? Could you put them on that list and every day, could you get down and pray before God and say, God, would you speak to Joe? God, I mean, going right down the line. See, I remember in my life, hey, listen, there was a time in my life back when I worked in, in uh, the, I was working through Bible college, there was this guy named Mike Dorowski. Man, he was the best Catholic I ever knew. Nicest, one of the nicest people you'd ever know. And I remember praying that God would get a hold of his heart. See, God, when I started praying for him, God started to put that burden in my heart, that my heart was broken, that Mike Dorowski was lost and on his way to hell. I believe God in his word. I witnessed to Mike several times, and I continued to pray and continued to pray. And, and you know what? I praise God. God answered that prayer. It took some time for that to happen. I, I was already up here pastoring at Lighthouse Baptist Church and got a note from Mike Dorowski. He said, I'm coming up to Ludington. Can I visit with you? Yeah, absolutely. Came up and visited. I remember then, in, 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 you know, hearing in that time, around that same time frame, I was going down there to preach. He says, oh, you're coming down here. Can I come hear you preach? I said, absolutely. Man, I was praying. I was hoping and praying that Mike would get saved that night. After the invitation, I went down and talked to Mike, and I, I asked him again. I said, Mike, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? He says, yes, I do. I said, how do you know? He says, because remember when you witnessed to me? I, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, and I got saved. And I praised the Lord for that. He was going to church, and he wanted to come and let me know that God, that God had spoken to his heart, and he was born again. I praised the Lord for that. But listen, I'm telling you, it was because of the power of prayer. It was because I was obedient to sharing the gospel with him. And I'm asking, who's on your list? Who are you praying for? I mean, it's practical things. You, you write a shopping list, you're going to go to Walmart. I mean, you have a whole thing, bunch of stuff you want from God. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, how about some intercessory prayer? How about begging God that God would speak to that person's heart? How about saying, God, would you break my heart for them? God, would you help them to get saved? Would you pray and say, God, I know they need salvation. You know what's going to happen? God will begin to work on that prayer. And the first person he'll begin to work on is you. He'll give you the strength and the power and the leading and the time to be able to witness. Who are you praying for? We hear... We come to church every Sunday. We raise our hand. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, who's going with you? I know I'm saved. Have no doubt about it. Who in your life needs that assurance? Who are you taking to heaven with you? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I can tell you this. We're here for a purpose. God has left us here on a purpose with a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. God wants us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing it, all we're doing is hearing it. We're deceiving ourselves. We're being deceived. We're not being the salt and light that God wants us to be. And there's something wrong. There's people dying and going to hell. And we're sitting here deceived. Going through life. Going through the motions. Punched the clock on Sunday. I showed up. Great. Who's going to heaven because of your witness? 
deceiving ourselves. How about this one? Living a holy life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, by the way. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What kind of life are you living? A life that's wholly acceptable unto God? Are we deceiving ourselves and living just like the rest of the world? You come to church on Sunday morning, you, you go through the Christianity thing, you put on the right clothes, perhaps. I mean, you know what, by the way, nothing wrong with dressing up to come to church. Listen, you don't have to put on a suit and tie to come to church, by the way. But I choose to do that because I know that when I come to church, I'm putting a priority in my life. It's a, it's a, a very high thing, just like when I went to any other occasion. But you, you put it all on. This doesn't make me holy, by the way, I'll tell you that. But there's people, they'll come to church, they'll, they'll be there at the 10 o'clock perhaps, the 11 o'clock service, they'll wear all the right clothes, they'll say the right words. They might even lead in prayer and say all the these and vows while they say it. By the way, if you do that, nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only time you pray through the week, something's wrong. They'll put all the right things on, they'll put the perfume or the cologne on, they'll come in, they'll put a smile and praise God all the day, and then they go home and live like the rest of the world the rest of the week. There's something wrong with that. God's word says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. There ought to be a difference in our life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you ever heard somebody say this sentence to you? I thought Christians weren't supposed to do that. Wow. Talk about an indictment. I thought Christians weren't supposed to do that. Now, for some, they won't live like a Christian at all, won't tell anybody they're saved, so that nobody will ever say that to them. For others, they let it slip out, or perhaps at one point in time in their life, they were living as a Christian, and now they're not living as a Christian, and now the world sees it and calls you out on it. Isn't it something the world knows that Christians are supposed to live like a Christian? You know what a Christian is, right? Living Christ-like. By the way, none of us are perfect. We understand that. I'm not saying that today, but what I'm saying is there ought to be a preponderance of evidence that you are Christ-like in your life if you call yourself a Christian. There ought to be something that weighs in if there was going to be a court ruling on whether or not you could be found guilty of being a Christian. You ought to be found guilty. You all with me today? And if not, something's wrong. You're deceiving yourself. You're going through the motions of religiosity. And you say, oh, those bad religions out there that just talk about religion and don't talk about a relationship. Those people are sending people to hell. Well, how about Christians that are supposed to be going to a Christian church that are supposed to be following Jesus Christ and talk about a personal relationship, but then they live like the rest of the world the rest of the week? What's different? It's no different. It's as dead as a doornail. Denying the power thereof. Talking like you're a Christian but have no power of God in your life. We're all challenged with that. I get it. I understand it. But we're deceiving ourselves if we don't see the truth of it. God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to live a holy life. A life that brings honor and glory to Him, not living like the rest of the world. Secondly, the Word of God calls us not to be neglectful. Don't be neglectful. Don't forget. Look at verse number 23 if you would. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Look in the mirror. 
For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now there's two applications I see to this. For a person that's a born-again Christian, going to the perfect law of liberty, going to the Word of God, and the Word of God, I can guarantee you, if you look into the Word of God, it's going to reflect you. You're going to see the truth of who you are. If you're truly seeking that, God will reveal it to you. And for a Christian, the Word of God, we go and we look at this, and we let the Word of God speak to our hearts, and we say, oh, that's a good verse, you'll underline it, you'll mark it down, and then after you get done, you put the Word of God down, and you walk away forgetting even what manner of man you are. You forget the fact of what God said to you. You won't do what He said to do, and you're just a hearer, not a doer. I mean, it's pointless. What good was it? How did it affect your life? Another application is this one. Look at it again. For if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding in a natural, uh, his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man. See the next two words? He was. See, I look at this, and I see another application as well here. We must never forget what we were before we became, became a child of God. We must never forget what God saved us from. We must never forget what it cost. We must never forget. We see what the Word of God says that He did. And I tell you what, the first time I saw it, and I looked into the law of liberty, I saw the law that gave... By the way, when it says liberty, it's talking about being set free from the bondage of sin and the penalty of sin. I looked into it, and I'll tell you what, and I saw who I was. I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Yeah, I was young. didn't matter. I was still a sinner. Yeah, I was young. It didn't matter. I was still headed to hell. And yet, oftentimes, what's sad is as Christians, we get later in life and we, begin, we, be, we hear things and we forget what manner of man we were. We were on our way to hell. You know, some of you here today, you didn't get saved at five years old. You got saved later in life. You were, I mean, listen, down in the miry clay, some terrible things in your life, and God delivered you from that. I've known people that were bound by such chains and addictions and drinking and alcohol. And God delivered them from that. God set them free from that. Praise the Lord for that. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of churches today are deceiving our young people. They're thinking that drinking alcohol is nothing, not a big deal at all. My whole life I grew up and people were set free from that bondage. Now they want to talk about liberty, being able to go drink and be part of that. <laughs> talk about being deceived. But remembering what manner of man that I was. Listen, who were you before you got saved? I'll tell you who you were. You were a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. Where were you headed? You were going to hell. You're being harsh. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, folks. Don't forget what you were. Why do I say that? Because then if we forget what we were, we take advantage of what we are. We forget to give praise to God for what He's done. We forget to thank God for heaven. I mean, we hear songs about heaven and we yawn through them. You get into a preaching message where they talk about something that's encouraging, talking about what God has done, and it doesn't mean anything. You read the Word of God and you fall asleep. I mean, every time it doesn't mean nothing to you. Now listen, I know some people struggle with that. You've got to do things. I've struggled with that. I get it. 
We have to set priorities. We have to set times in our life. We have to be careful of what we use our time for. But listen, we have to be very careful that we don't forget what we are, what what we are now. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm on the way to heaven. Now I'm supposed to live as a child of God. The Word of God calls us not to be neglectful. Don't forget. Remember. Remember. You know, I look in the Bible, I see a lot of examples of of situations where people forgot. Can you think of a group of people in the Bible that forgot what God did for them very quickly? Anybody? Israelites. I mean, they got into the the first situation where they got challenged. Why did we leave Egypt? So what does God do? He just parts the Red Sea and lets them walk across on dry ground all at night. I mean, protects them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by, by day and everything's great and grand. And then what do they do? They start griping and complaining because they don't get that good, the, 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 the uh, leeks that they used to eat. Now I just have to eat manna from heaven. Well, that's just terrible, isn't it? That God's going to give you manna from heaven. <laughs> going to complain because you don't have what you had back in Egypt. You all see the, the correlations here? We start griping and complaining about what God has blessed us with. And yeah, and we're going to get to that point in a minute. But God has blessed us beyond measure. And yet... We, get, we gripe and complain. We forget what we used to be and not who we are and how God has been so good to us. We need to remember. Jude verse uh, 5 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Yeah. Hmm. Thirdly, the Word of God says that we will be blessed by doing. We will be blessed by doing. You see, your actions will prevent more than deception. If you get involved, we're talking about not being deceived. If your actions, I'm talking about loving the church, talking about sharing the gospel, um, talking about remembering, talking about being involved, talking about doing what God wants us to do, talking about living a life. Listen, not only are we not going to be deceived if we'll do those things, but God gives us a promise as well. Look, if you would, at verse number 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a, what's the next word? Of the what? I saw a a parallel here. Now, just a minute. I want to say this real quick because I think it's interesting. The very first verse that we looked at, look back, if you would, at verse number 1. Notice what it says. But be doers of the word. Doers of the word. Now, look at verse number 25. He not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? Work. If you're going to be a doer of the word, you're going to work. There's going to be action. You're going to work. There's going to be things you're going to get involved with. There's going to be things you're going to do. And I'm not just talking about here at church. I'm talking about the Christian life in general. But yes, definitely here at church. If you're part of the body of believers here at Lighthouse Baptist Church, you're part of the body. There's work for you to do for all of us. That's a wonderful thing, by the way, to be part of the body of Christ and loving the body, loving the the church. But there's a wonderful promise that we see here. Look at verse 25 again. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Man, that's an awesome promise. Not only are we not going to be deceived, Not only are we not going to be able to see God working and God seeing people get saved, but we're going to be blessed. Now let me ask you, do you want to be blessed by God today? Would you say amen or raise your hand? You want to be blessed by God? I want to be blessed by God. 
And it's not just a singular thing. I'm not going to be deceived if I do these things. That's great. But I'm going to receive a blessing as well. And here's the cool part. Listen, God always give you, gives you more than you ever give. God always blesses you beyond measure. Let me give you a verse. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And I can tell you today, I am an absolute witness of this truth. God has blessed me beyond what I could possibly ever possibly think. God has given me more than I ever could deserve. God has blessed me beyond measure. I look back at my life and I see markers in my life and I see times when I went through difficult times. I see times on top of the mountain. I see times in the valley. But what I see as a whole from my life is that I don't deserve how good God has been to me. God is so good. God has blessed me beyond measure. Has He blessed you? Has God been good to you? I can tell you this. You can't outgive God. And I'm not just talking about finances right now. I'm talking about our entire life. I'm talking about laying your life as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, giving it unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. I'm talking about laying it out before God and say, God, I owe it all to you. God, I love you because you love me. God, I give you myself as a, a sacrifice. I'm just laying it out there. God, use it for your honor, for your glory. God, I worship you with my life. And when we do that, listen, God will bless us. God has blessed me, and God will bless you. God will bless you beyond what you could possibly think. You can never give more to God than God will give to you. God is such a wonderful God. God wants to bless you. We've got to listen, though. We've got to listen. And then we've got to do what He tells us to do. You've got to connect the two dots. It's got to go in the ear, and then you've got to put it into action. It's got to go in the ear and into your heart. You've got to put it into obedience and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you're telling me to do. Yes, Lord, I won't do what you're telling me not to do. Yes, Lord, I believe your word is true. And if you tell me it's wrong in your word, it's wrong for me. Lord, if you tell me to do something, I'm going to obey. Lord, when I go to church, I want to hear from you. When I hear the preaching, I want to apply it to my life. I don't want to walk out those doors being the exact same person as when I walked in the doors. And we prepare for that. We pray for that. Through the week, as we're in the Word of God, as we're praying, we're saying, God, it's Sunday. God, I can't wait to hear from you. God, I want you to give me what I need for today. God, and if you'll say it to me, I'll obey it. I'll do what you're telling me to do. God, today's the day I can serve you. God will bless you if you'll do that. I promise you. You're going to hear a message that God has specifically for you. God will bless you. God will give you what you never thought possible. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel right here. I'm talking about something that's way better than that. I'm talking about knowing that God has blessed you and having a, a happiness in your heart you could never have otherwise. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Christians that don't have a blessed life are something missing. I look in history and I see men and women that have given their lives. I've seen men and women that have been under great tyranny and great hardships, and yet they were blessed. And they had a joy. Things I can't comprehend. I've read stories and biographies of people I can't understand. How could they have that joy in such a horrible situation? And it's only because God was there with them, giving them that. God will bless you. 
Be a doer of the word of God. Don't be deceived. Let's all stand up with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for what you've done for us, Lord. I pray we would not forget how you saved us, how you're preparing a place for us, how you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that nothing could separate us from your love, that your grace is sufficient, that your mercy is more. Lord, we thank you for heaven to look forward to, but Lord, I thank you also for the time we have here on earth, the time we have to work. And Lord, we know the night is coming, and Lord, I pray that we would get involved in working. Lord, I pray that we would share the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would pray for those that are lost. Lord, that we'd be not deceived, thinking we've got tomorrow for salvation. Lord, that we'd be not deceived, thinking that we as a Christian have tomorrow to share the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, burden our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would serve you with our hearts. Lord, thank you for the blessing you've promised us. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? Time and a place in your life you knew that you were lost and on your way to hell, but you knew that Christ died for you. You believed that he rose again the third day, and you trusted him as your personal Savior. You say, yes, I know I'm going to heaven. I've been born again. Would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. God bless you. Put your hands down. Is God speaking to your heart today? I mean, what if this was your last day? There's no guarantee it won't. It might not be tomorrow. What if this was the last day here on earth? Where would you spend eternity? Is the Holy Spirit of God knocking on your heart's door right now? Do you hear him? He loves you. He wants for you to be saved today. I want to pray for you. You hear this morning, you say, Preacher, I'll be honest, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I don't have that peace. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, listen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, I promise. But you say, I don't have that peace. Anybody like that today? I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Could I pray for you today? Christian, you've heard God's word today. We've looked into the perfect law of liberty. What did you see? What did you see? Has the Holy Spirit of God spoken to your heart? What are you going to do? Leave the same? Will you respond? Will you listen? Will you say, Lord, I'm going to love church like you love it. Lord, I want to love it just like you do. Lord, I'm going to love people like you love them. Lord, help me to see people as you see them. When Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Would you pray that God would give you that compassion in your heart for the lost? Would you ask that God would allow for you to see souls saved as you witness? There might be somebody right now that God is laying on your heart. Would you come today and pray that they'll get saved? 
God would give you the opportunity, that God would lead them to Christ through you. God, speak into your heart today. Will you respond? Lord, I pray that we'd move in this invitation, Lord, as your Holy Spirit has led, that we'd obey your voice. Would you come? Has God spoken to your heart?